are a long time between drinks since the last podcast. I was away for three and a half months. It was absolutely fantastic. I spent three and a half months in Australia onboarding a brand new client with three and a half thousand users on the platform. We also began the platform with two other clients. So we've now got well over 4,000 people on the platform. It is incredible to begin again and I just feel so blessed to be working with partners, companies that really understand and get the need for just the development of human beings. And when I look at, and this is a really good segue actually into my beliefs around imposter syndrome, and I'm sure that it will ruffle a few feathers as always, but I think unless we have an open mind and we're willing to bring in any or all viewpoints, I think we, you know, it's quite impossible to actually grow and develop. So the great thing about me working with clients who are aligned with the values that I have as well is, you know, learning and development is to me like oxygen. You can't grow a business, you can't grow yourself, you can't grow a relationship without continuous development and insight. And for some reason, and my um, research has shown me that back in 2008, when we had the global financial crisis, I saw a distinct drop-off of people or companies, I should say, doing training and development for their teams externally. So what happens when that happens is we end up relying on the intelligence, capability and experience of the people that are working in the business already. So they, for want of a better word, become or phrase, become the glass ceiling in our own business. And I, because of that, have termed the phrases tribal development and preferential leadership. So tribal development is we end up learning from the tribe. So we watch someone do something or we, or a boss says, or a leader says, you know, watch me, this is how I do it. But when you are developed just from the tribe, you're not getting expertise. You're assuming, I remember I was doing an executive leadership program for about 48 senior leaders. And I said to them, you know, it's so funny when you hear people use the term best practice, because do we know it's best practice? Or is it just the fact that we're actually copied from each other? And just because everybody else is using it, we think it's best practice. So way back in, in 2008, when we really pulled back on training and development, which always blows my mind, because why would we cut back on the one thing that will help you move the needle? Like when times are tough in business, we actually de-skill and de-inspire, uh, whether that's a word or not, who cares, um, our teams because we're trying to cut costs. And I go, wouldn't it be better to actually focus on improving productivity? So when you put that lack of development from 2008 into the pot, then you also throw in there the massive escalation of technology, social media. Most people get their development now in these micro bites of, and it's not true content, it's micro contents. And we're not getting context we're not getting comprehension. We're not getting the ability to contemplate. So really learning goes out the window and we're just getting these bite-sized, you know, little bits of information. So then you have on top of that. So if you notice that we've got an increase in people experiencing anxiety, depression, panic attacks, 
please don't send me hate mail. It's unbelievable how many people get triggered by, and when you, when I say get triggered, if we get triggered by something, that is our own personal response to something that someone else has said. So we create the trigger. Somebody doesn't trigger us. We feel triggered based on our own uh, beliefs and perceptions and so forth, which I'm going to talk about very shortly. So we've got all of the anxiousness and the panic and people, now where does that come from? Well, that comes from an entire generation who really has spent their lives growing up in an external experience. So they have their lives have actually been externalized because everything is outside of them. My generation taught this younger generation that it was bad to feel bad. So we did everything we could to stop you from feeling bad. And that's more in my book, The Perfect Storm. So when we look at, this is going to be a bit of an extra long um, podcast, this one. So when we put all of that together and we go, okay, so we stopped developing our people. We got into social media. So we started having very shallow experiences of content. We then had a whole generation externalizing their experience. What you find is that we don't have any depth or breadth of knowledge. Now, imposter syndrome to me, because when you look at, uh, you know, how people define imposter syndrome, uh, and you can tell, you know, like I'm sitting here going, okay, so wouldn't it be better to get the meaning of imposter syndrome? So I'm literally just Googling it right now. Uh, imposter syndrome is a behavioral health phenomenon described as self-doubt of intellect, skills, or accomplishments among high-achieving individuals. Well, I would go that it's not just amongst high-achieving individuals. When I look at anybody who lacks self-worth, self-awareness, their self-esteem is a little bit shaky, regardless of whether they're a high-achieving individual or not, they would end up experiencing doubt in intellect, skills, or accomplishments. Now, where does that self-doubt come from? So it could come from the fact that you're actually experiencing a feeling that you've never felt before. Now, I, I realize that imposter syndrome also speaks about people who are accomplished in this particular area, but they still feel like they're not quite there. Well, let's have a look at what it takes. You know, they say that it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at anything, even though now there are holes in that argument as well. Um, so I look at myself and I go, okay, so I still feel insecure, for want of a better word, when I present, when I stand in front of an audience. Why? Because it's a brand new experience per se. So even though my content, I'm solid in my content, I'm solid in my knowledge, I'm solid in my experience, I'm standing before a new group of human beings. So rather than call it, you know, imposter syndrome, what if we actually dug deeper? What if instead of putting this blanket term over it and put it outside of ourselves, what if we started to become the explorer in our own life? What if we became fascinated with why we do certain things, why we react in certain ways? That's when I think we start to uncover and start to dig deeper. So when we have that chemical reaction and our heart's pounding and whatever it is, all of the, the characteristics or the physical responses that we have to something like that, let's get curious. 
So if you step outside of yourself and have the observer's role, as if you're looking back on yourself, you're observing yourself in process, in the experience. Because you have to have a belief, don't you, that you have that syndrome or any syndrome. So you believe that you have imposter syndrome. Ask, I think anyway, a better question. Why do you have it and where is it coming from? Because a belief is held up by a series of reference points. And any belief that we have around ourselves comes from somewhere. And it can be a multitude of different things. You know, imposter syndrome can come from, you know, maybe being around certain people that constantly put you down, that constantly are negative about your achievements or are critical, whatever it might be. And therefore, over time, you know, when you're, what do they say? You, you become the five people that you hang around with most. Well, that also applies in a negative sense. And I know from personal experience, like I had a, someone that I worked with and this went on for years. So I'm talking five plus years. There wouldn't be, there would be a rare day, and I'm not exaggerating, where I wasn't criticized. Um, I wasn't made, you know, I wasn't embarrassed on a call or um, corrected, constantly judged. Uh, I was personally attacked. Now, it's very easy to say, oh, well, why didn't you get out of there? But it wasn't that easy um, to actually get away. So, and that maybe that's for another time. But when you, when I started out in this um, relationship, in this business situation, I was very robust. So I defended myself and I was arguing for myself and trying to push back on this person because they were being so cruel. After a while, especially when you're in isolation, it chips away and chips away and chips away where I got to a point where I started to actually believe everything this person was saying. And of course, you know, especially when things were like age related and appearance related and intellect related, uh, you end up, you do start believing it. So I started believing well, maybe I'm not right for this, or maybe my time has passed, or, you know, maybe, you know, my best years are behind me. That is because there were enough reference points. If you can imagine like a tabletop, the belief is the tabletop and each leg, let's say it's got a hundred legs. Every leg represents another reference point that actually supports that belief. So, What's the best way to replace a belief? Go out looking for evidence to prove you wrong. Go out looking for real-time situations. So the amazing thing, of course, is when I got away from that environment, when I got out of that constant negative reinforcement, I started to get evidence that that was so not true. So do that for yourself. Now, I'm not trying to play down imposter syndrome. I'm not trying to go, oh, it's, there's no such thing. What I'm saying is let's just go deeper. Let's not label ourselves. Like the amount of labels, oh, I've got fill in the blank or I've been diagnosed with fill in the blank. Like, oh, well, what's the benefit to you from that? Like there's got to be an upside as well. There's always an upside to a downside. How does it serve you? And rather than label yourself as something, just choose, let's choose our our labels really carefully. I suffer from imposter syndrome. Well, what are you doing about it? So 
let's go looking at our beliefs. What are the beliefs that you hold about yourself? Write them down. When do you experience this imposter syndrome? Are there different environments that you experience it in? And if so, then go and do the work. So do a chart and then go, right, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. I'm going to use me as an example. When I'm speaking on stage. Okay, well, what holds up that belief? Well, when I'm, um, I don't get the right response from the audience or when I am not fully prepared or whatever it is, and then fill in the legs of the table and then ask yourself, what can I do about it? How can I actually go out and get a different result? Because a lot of the time, imposter syndrome for a lot of people is they're just not used to that experience. So, or it could be your self-worth. Or it could be the people that you're hanging out with. But that just means doing the work, doesn't it? Just do the work. Become the explorer in your own life. So I hope, you know, as you know, I don't script these. I certainly have a few bullet points that I work through. But I just feel like we we don't do ourselves any favours by labelling ourselves uh, and not doing the work. So let's just call out the belief systems and then... Let's go creating new evidence-based experiences that can get rid of those legs under that table to create new reference points, new legs that will create a whole new belief. I hope that helps and looking forward to doing a lot more of these podcasts. I will chat to you soon.